Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio Tim Wright. Tim Wright is the Australian director of ICANN, that is the International Campaign for the Abolition of Nuclear Weapons. The website is icanw.org. ICANN. Tim Wright, thank you for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you for having me. There's something new going on in the field of nuclear disarmament that we're going to talk about, including uh, very recent developments. But first of all, give us an idea of what ICANN is and how long it's been around and what its mission is about. Well, we set the campaign up in 2007 because we felt that the global anti-nuclear movement was languishing and uh, we needed to get uh, much better organized and uh, really uh, internationalize the movement, uh, connect people in all parts of the world who are working on this issue, and uh, begin by putting in place a clear prohibition on nuclear weapons, because uh, these are the only weapons of destruction not yet uh, clearly banned under international law. Uh, so that was the, the motivation. Um, I guess following the, the end of the Cold War, there was you know, quite significant uh, reductions in nuclear arms, but uh, the rate of warhead dismantlement uh, has slowed significantly, and so uh, we hope to give um, a significant uh, boost to that. I have an article you wrote recently, Tim, called A New Movement to Ban Nuclear Weapons, with which starts out with the discussion of nuclear weapons testing in Australia, which I imagine uh, a good many people in the United States and elsewhere are not familiar with. Can you describe that history, and, and did that have anything to do with your getting involved? Yeah, that was that's one of the reasons that I got involved. Um, these tests have had a profound impact on uh, people's health and the environment. Uh, they were conducted in the 1950s and 60s by the British and Australian governments. Um, the UK, of course, has nuclear weapons. Australia doesn't, but Australia was actively involved in that program. Um, all of the tests were atmospheric, which are the tests, of course, that have the greatest impact on on the environment and health. Uh, but there are also about 600 uh, plutonium experiments, which also had devastating uh, effects. And those effects continue to be felt uh, today, uh, several decades uh, after tests were conducted. Uh, we had a huge conference. Uh, just last year in, in Vienna and one of the uh, people who was directly affected by the nuclear test travelled, left Australia for the first time and, and travelled to Vienna and gave an incredible speech there that drew attention to the to the consequences including the, the displacement of people from their ancestral homes, the people who have been hardest, who have been most affected are the Indigenous people of Australia, the Aboriginal people. You, you describe nuclear weapons as being the only weapons that are not banned by international law, but many people have the idea that there is a treaty that requires eliminating them, the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. Uh, is that not the case? What is, what is lacking there? So the, the Non-Proliferation Treaty, which has been ratified now by 190 states, does not actually establish a prohibition on the use or production of nuclear weapons, nor the possession of nuclear weapons by all states. Uh, for the vast majority of states, uh, it's illegal to acquire nuclear weapons, but 
for a small number. You know, there's an obligation to pursue uh, nuclear disarmament, but it's not actually illegal to possess nuclear weapons. And so we're working to fill that legal gap. Uh, we've got more than 100 and, uh, around 107 countries that have uh, committed to, to do that, to pursue negotiations for uh, the prohibition and elimination of, of nuclear weapons. Um, we're hoping that that number will continue to grow. And there's a real movement among particularly the non-nuclear weapon states of the world to uh, put in place such a, a law. So, so this would be a new law that would prohibit a non-nuclear nation from acquiring nuclear weapons and oblige any nuclear nation that, that came under it to get rid of them uh, rather immediately rather than eventually someday. Yeah, it would. I mean, the focus is on, on prohibition. If a country were to use nuclear weapons now, uh, it would almost certainly violate principles of international humanitarian law, but uh, there's no explicit prohibition on use, nor is there an explicit prohibition on, on production or possession. So that's the aim of this treaty, and I think one of the most immediate effects would be that it would force countries like Australia to reject nuclear weapons completely. So there are a couple of dozen countries that claim to be protected by US nuclear weapons. Because of that, they legitimise nuclear weapons. They promote the idea of nuclear weapons as instruments that provide security. Uh, and we really want to challenge that in order to put greater pressure on the nuclear armed states to give up their nuclear weapons. So are you talking about nations that just sort of politically talk about relying on nuclear weapons or about nations that allow other nations' nuclear weapons and nuclear submarines to be to be stationed in their country? Yeah, both, both of those. So uh, there are different levels of involvement in the, in the nuclear weapons problem. You've got some countries... Uh, you've got five countries in Europe that host U.S. nuclear weapons on their, their territory. Wh which uh, ones are those? Belgium, Netherlands, uh, Turkey, Italy and Germany. Uh, and then you've got other countries like Australia that uh, are involved in nuclear targeting. We've got the huge U.S. military and intelligence facility in central Australia called Pine Gap. Um, you've got others that are involved in missile defence that allow nuclear-armed submarines to enter their ports uh, and aircraft to, to use their airspace. And so we want to really uh, prevent uh, these countries from doing that in order to make it harder for nuclear-armed states to continue to possess and modernise their nuclear weapons. One of the arguments for this ban treaty is that it would you know, force countries to give up these modernization programs that are um, that are currently underway in all of the nuclear armed states. For example, uh, the United Kingdom is about to make a decision about whether it should renew its nuclear armed Trident submarines and the parliamentarians there uh, are saying that if negotiations were underway on a ban treaty, uh, it would be much more difficult for them to go ahead and give the green light to, to renewing those submarines. So this could have profound implications for 
If Scotland were to go independent or threaten independence over the in part over that issue, it might advance it as well. Isn't that the case? Yeah, that would that would be a very significant development. The Scottish Nationalist Party, of course, uh, won many seats in the recent uh, elections, and there'll be uh, elections for the Scottish Parliament next year. Uh, and the first minister in Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, has said that uh, she will take the uh, will hold another referendum on this issue once there's uh, once it's demonstrated in the, in the polls that there's sufficient support for it to succeed. I think she said there would need to be about 60% support in order for her to have the the confidence to take this to another vote. Scotland has made it very clear that it wouldn't uh, allow the nuclear weapons to continue to be based there and there aren't any other really any other locations in the United Kingdom which are considered to be suitable for the stationing of the nuclear weapons. So this could 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 really force the United Kingdom to give up its and how many nations have signed on already to this idea? Well, we've got the 107 who have made the clear commitment um, to, to pursue the negotiations uh, for a new legally binding instrument to prohibit nuclear weapons. Uh, I think that that number will, will go up in coming months. Uh, we've probably got close to 150 countries that, that support this idea uh, in principle. Um, there have been three conferences over the past two years that have examined the, the catastrophic humanitarian consequences of nuclear weapons. And the outcome of these conferences, the conclusion of these conferences, has been that weapons with indiscriminate effects uh, should be outlawed. And outlawing a weapon is a necessary step towards eliminating them. So there's, there's certainly very strong among non-nuclear weapons states. And you say there are a couple of dozen in your article. You say 30 nations that are in some way reliant on nuclear weapons or hosting nuclear weapons and so forth. Have any of those nations signed on to this idea yet? Uh, we, we haven't had any of those nations support the pledge as yet, um, but there are some which I think will. Norway was one of the countries that uh, hosted one of these uh, conferences. Um, it's, a, it's a NATO country. Uh, it doesn't host nuclear weapons, but it, it's part of nuclear planning activities for, for NATO. There are other other smaller NATO states, such as uh, Denmark and Iceland uh, and Luxembourg, that have, have expressed a strong interest in this. I think we could see Spain, Portugal uh, come on board. The issue, of course, is very controversial in Japan, which is another another country that relies on this notion of extended nuclear deterrence and having suffered the effects of, of the atomic bombing. Hiroshima and Nagasaki is a country with very strong public support for nuclear disarmament, uh, although the bureaucrats in, in Tokyo do tend to, to value the US line such that they don't want to don't want to move towards uh, a non-nuclear posture yet. But I think we could see significant developments there. Uh, and in my own country, Australia, I think with the change of government, uh, we could uh, see Australia come on board. Pledge. We have a very conservative government at the moment, but uh, the opposition party, the Labor Party, has just adopted a, a national platform supporting this idea of a ban. 
hard to imagine a party in the United States doing that. There are only the, the two lousy parties to choose from that, that you know, win at the federal level. We're speaking with Tim Wright, who is the Australian director of ICANN. The website is icanw.org. Tim, the story of Japan is interesting. You won something of a victory there recently. Can you describe what went on and what significance it has? Well, the the Japanese government had um, had resisted signing on to a statement that expressed deep concern at the uh, humanitarian consequences of nuclear weapons and said that it's in the interests of the very survival of humanity that nuclear weapons are never used again under any circumstances. This was a fairly um, modest document. It wasn't, uh, from our perspective, it, it, it was an important step forward in the discussions, but uh, it, 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 it wasn't particularly action-oriented, and yet caused major problems for the Japanese government. They said that they couldn't uh, say that nuclear weapons should never be used again under any circumstances, given that their defence policy uh, is essentially in favour of using nuclear weapons under under certain circumstances. And so we uh, protested uh, that decision. We had uh, many uh, Japanese... Uh, citizens who, who attended that post- protest in Geneva, and uh, we we also had many people from uh, other countries. We had about 20, uh, 20 countries represented there at that protest, and um, this uh, this forced the Japanese government to change its position um, because our protest attracted so much media attention there, uh, and there is such a, a huge expectation in in Japan that the government will support these kinds of initiatives. Uh, Initially, the the foreign minister, I said, uh, stepped in and defended the decision, Uh, but then the mayor of Nagasaki, which of course is one of the cities that was was bombed in World War II, uh, said that this decision was a betrayal of the expectations of the, the world community, and so Japan shifted its position. Um, Japan hasn't yet come on board with the with the pledge to ban nuclear weapons, but I think that uh, soon soon enough they will. There is a problem with nuclear weapons and nuclear energy. I mean, you talk about all of these uh, non-nuclear nations moving in the right direction and beginning to talk about prohibition and abolition, um, but there seem to be quite a few non-nuclear nations that are acquiring nuclear energy, including all sorts of dictatorships around the Persian Gulf with some understanding that they are getting nuclear energy because it puts you close to having nuclear weapons. How, how are you addressing nuclear energy, if you are at all? Yeah, this, this is a major problem of the non-proliferation treaty, which um, yeah, of course, is about trying to stop the spread of nuclear weapons, and yet it promotes the spread of nuclear technology. And uh, I think you're right that uh, some of these countries are pursuing nuclear techno- uh, nuclear power programs, uh, with not necessarily with the intention of developing nuclear weapons, but with the intention of um, putting them in a place where they would be able to acquire nuclear weapons relatively 
quickly if they if they felt that their security was threatened and that having nuclear weapons would enhance their their security. Uh, this is a very troubling uh, development, but unless we can make serious progress on disarmament, unless we can you know, do more to get rid of the nuclear weapons that already exist in the world and to stop the modernisation of existing nuclear arsenals, then I think we're going to always face these kinds of problems in relation to the proliferation of nuclear weapons. I mean, Korea's development of nuclear weapons uh, is directly related to uh, the threats it perceives from other countries uh, in the region, uh, from the United States um, and uh, and its, its nuclear weapons. So um, achieving progress on non-proliferation uh, is inextricably linked to progress on nuclear disarmament. I, I think those of us who want to abolish the entire institution of warfare see abolishing nuclear weapons as a very good step in that direction. But I wonder, I wonder how many people involved in the campaign you're working on see it that way, and how many see eliminating nuclear weapons as a way to have safer, more civilized warfare as warfare continues, as it in fact happens in reality, without nuclear weapons. Um, because in that scenario, how do you address the, the viewpoint of people who look at nations like Iraq and Libya getting rid of weapons and then being attacked, and North Korea developing nuclear weapons and not being attacked? How do you, how do you convince countries that there's not something of value to them there? Well, I think that, uh, I mean, ICANN has a very narrow focus, which is the elimination of nuclear weapons. But uh, I think the, the people involved in our campaign um, are anti-war. You know, the, the people who have been involved in uh, broad, the broader uh, anti-war movement. Um, so, you know, this isn't about kind of... Uh, you know, waging war more humanely or, you know, just, just kind of doing away with the worst excesses of militarism. It's about challenging um, ideas that, you know, weapons enhance security and, and so on. Uh, we certainly believe that, you know, countries uh, that disarm are uh, in a much safe position. They're uh, not considered a threat by... Uh, their neighbours, um, and so uh, we do see elimination of nuclear weapons as part of a broader effort to promote peace and harmony among nations. Um, we have this issue of, of uh, that we sometimes hear about uh, countries that, uh, that uh, haven't acquired nuclear weapons, like Iraq being attacked, whereas uh, and, and, and also the, the situation in Ukraine, which is a country which had nuclear weapons at the time that the Soviet Union collapsed and then uh, gave up those nuclear weapons. Uh, and comparing that, as, as you did, with the situation in, in Libya. But uh, I think that uh, often these are... Uh, and, and I guess you could also use... Uh, North Korea is an example there as, as a country that uh, hasn't been uh, attacked by um, the US. 
Um, and then one, one might argue that that's because they have nuclear weapons. Um, but this is, you know, possessing nuclear weapons is, is uh, an, an incredibly dangerous um, uh, thing to do. And, and I think that the security situation in, in North Korea is incredibly volatile because of their position, possession of nuclear weapons. Um, I think that it's hard to imagine that that the events um, in uh, in the Ukraine at the moment would have been um, different had 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 nuclear weapons uh, still been in Ukraine. If anything, it would have made the situation more more dangerous rather than than, than protecting uh, Ukraine. So, so you, you've had these big meetings in Norway, you mentioned, and Mexico, and in Vienna, Austria, back in December. Uh, but just recently, you've been in New York. What, what has happened there, and how is this campaign progressing now? So this was a, this was a review of the Non-Proliferation Treaty. They do these conferences every five years uh, to look at uh, the progress that's been made towards implementing the treaty, uh, and also to develop a forward-looking action plan um, and this conference came to a close uh, just last night um, the um, what we saw was um, you know, the overwhelming majority of countries expressed very strong support uh, for this idea of the, the treaty a new treaty being developed that prohibits nuclear weapons and in that sense complements the NPT um, but we saw significant pushback from uh, a number of countries, uh, including the US and, and UK, but also some of the allied countries who have argued that there are no shortcuts to a nuclear weapon-free world, um, that while they agree with the end goal of elimination, um, they won't accept anything that is aimed at stigmatising the weapons and, and prohibiting them. Um, but ultimately, from our perspective, that, that doesn't matter. Um, because we're interested in process that's driven by a group of like-minded states and that uh, isn't limited by what uh, certain nuclear possessor states uh, are willing to accept. Uh, and this is one of the problems with the non-proliferation meetings is that everything is based on consensus and so a small number of countries can block a constructive uh, outcome document. Um, one of the closing statements uh, last night was by uh, a South African diplomat who said that the non-proliferation treaty regime has descended into a situation of minority rule just as they experienced in South Africa and she received uh, resounding applause uh, for that statement. I think there's a real sense of injustice in in the NPT regime and a need to move uh, beyond that to achieve results. Um, there was no consensus outcome document adopted last night, um, and so what we have uh, in its place is this humanitarian pledge supported by 107 seven countries. Um, the, the reason for the, the outcome document not being adopted was that there was no decision reached in relation to the proposal for a Middle East uh, zone free of weapons of mass destruction. Um, this was because 
Israel, which isn't even a party to the NPT, uh, said that it wouldn't uh, attend a conference to uh, establish such a zone. And so, uh, given that, the US and the UK and Canada uh, collectively blocked consensus. Um, but uh, the other, the issue of, of nuclear disarmament um, was also hotly contested uh, and the the draft outcome document that was presented to the conference uh, was basically a document supported by the nuclear armed states but none of the rest of the world. And so uh, from our perspective, it's better to have no outcome document at all uh, than to have a very weak outcome document that, that has been proposed. Well, I think what you're doing, Tim Wright, is exactly the way to go at organizing the non-nuclear nations to to lead the way toward a non-nuclear world. Uh, but just to play devil's advocate, uh, imagine that you've got three quarters of the nations fully on board with that. Uh, what about nations like Israel that, that that simply ignore the rule of law? What about the United States? I mean, you talk about these other weapons being banned by international law, but the United States has chemical weapons. It has biological weapons. It has landmines. It refuses to actually sign on to the ban on landmines. It openly uses cluster bombs. It uses napalm and white phosphorus uh, without any sort of uh, repercussions or penalty. How, how do you envision going that last step to getting on board the nations that, that are really, that really, unlike Japan, really have a cultural mindset that says this is okay. We, we are supposed to do this. Well, we, I mean, we've never claimed that this treaty is going to guarantee elimination and that this treaty itself is the, you know, the, the, you know, all of what we need in order to, to reach that goal. But we have come to the conclusion that this is the best first step that needs to be taken and that this will fundamentally change the way um, that nuclear weapons are perceived. It will erode the sense of legitimacy that uh, surrounds possession of nuclear weapons by certain states and in a sense the non-proliferation treaty has contributed to that uh, belief that certain nations are entitled to uh, possess nuclear weapons because the five nuclear armed states under the NPT which are the US, Russia, um, UK, France and China uh, are treated differently from the other nuclear armed states because because of the way that nuclear weapon states are defined uh, under NPT. Um, so it's about challenging challenging that legitimacy. It's about creating stigma around the weapons. And you referred to the, uh, to the, the mine ban treaty. Well, you could say that that, that uh, obviously it's a problem that the US hasn't uh, yet joined that treaty, but you could still point to the fact that this treaty has a profound has had a profound impact on um, the US policy in relation to uh, to anti-personnel mines and in fact the US last year uh, announced that it would bring all of its policy even though it wasn't going to join the treaty it would bring all of its policies into line with the treaty with the exception of the um, the Korean Peninsula where uh, it, uh, it has uh, landmines. So, I mean, that's a that's a really significant development if you if you pair it with uh, 
the widespread use of landmarks at the time uh, that the negotiations were happening in the 1990s. Well, you you are absolutely right, uh, and it is an amazing start to have 107 countries wanting to ban nuclear weapons. People who want to learn more can go to icanw.org. That's the ICANN website. Tim Wright is the Australian director. I wish we had more time. Tim, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.